0: This is the Homebrew Game Club, a podcast about modern, brand new aftermarket video games for retro consoles. On this podcast, we pick one game a month to play and talk about. Today's game is Le des My name is Nick, also known as
1: DeVertov, and joining me today are. My name is Bart, uh, also known as Clever Username Needed.
2: And Connor, also known as Connor Nash on Twitter. All right, before we get started, uh, we would. What? What? Oh, I'm on Mastodon as well now, because I'm I'm hot like that.
0: Oh, all right, all right. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone... (laughs) Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that on this podcast, we believe in honest opinions, but we also understand that many of these games are not made by professionals. They are labors of love. Also, as a note to our listeners, we are not game developers ourselves. We are just fans. So please keep that
1: in mind as we offer up any criticisms of these games. Um. Yeah, I have a I have a legit question. What's Mastodon? It's like this
2: kind of alternative to Twitter that's been around for a few years but kind of got a little bit hot because of Elon Musk's antics and shenanigans. Oh.
0: Okay. Oh, wait, up. you really? You don't know what Mastodon is? No, no, dude. I don't. I don't. I'd never get on You're Twitter. You're not on Twitter.
1: No, not oh, at all.
0: man. I kind of envy you.
1: I am He's so it? far away from everything Twitter-related. Like, I saw Elon Musk... Carry a sink into the Twitter yeah. headquarters, yeah, maybe. Was, was, and then I've yeah. been following all of That was him.
2: about as much as you need to know, really. Like he's carrying sink. Yeah,
1: and I. I don't care, okay. honestly. It's <laughs> fair. So, there we go. Well, did you listen to our Connor and I did an
0: episode about it?
1: Was I on that episode? No. Now that I didn't listen. <laughs>
2: Can I listen to the sound of my own voice? Can I, can I be narcissistic about this? No? Then no. I'm not going to listen to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I didn't listen. I wasn't in it. I didn't listen. Bart, I will be completely
2: honest. You know what I have not listened to? Hmm. The episode with you doing the Artics Games one. What's it called? Dungeons and Doom Knights. Oh, yeah. I haven't listened to that one yet.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, and I also haven't uh, I haven't watched your movie. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> i did finally watch your movie yeah that's me when i'm on set just like bullshit bullshit my line (laughs) bullshit bullshit my line right yeah yeah how
0: was your how how were your holidays guys
1: dude my holidays were great they were really long (laughs) it just seemed like they were just never ending it was just like one one thing after another after another after another after another and then we finally got a chance to pause on christmas eve so i took my kids to see avatar 2 and uh, oh, about two hours into the movie the fire alarms went off in the theater and they made oh, us wow. evacuate uh, and as we were walking out like the sprinkler systems were going off there was a lake forming in the lobby of the movie theater the theater was closed for like a week i still haven't gone back holy over there shit get, i haven't gone back over there to get my like passes for like you know the 60 bucks that we paid for four tickets to go see this movie in imax and it was a whew, boy the whole christmas eve was a clusterfuck but uh the rest of the holidays were great jesus yeah so you have
0: not seen the end of the movie yet
1: my family has not i've saw i saw the video of you
2: doing that and the the pic the, the video of the actual lobby filling up with water was surreal <laughs> Yeah. Because also just just to make it clear for the the listener, when you had to like step outside because the you know the thing was a lake, what
1: was the temperature outside on Christmas Eve where you were? Oh at least negative seven Fahrenheit. So what is that, Connor, for Celsius?
2: Close to negative twenty, maybe even more. Like it's that's real. Yeah, it was
1: there, to be clear there was no fire it was so cold that the pipes burst and it like started just like spraying into the uh, lobby and then that caused maybe a window to break because if you look at that video i sent you yeah, there's just water cascading yeah. down the inside it looks like it looks like, house, like water windows it was <laughs> it was like, yeah it was you know, the whole thing was just crazy wow so then we uh we got in our car and we drove over and had a nice meal and uh went home and um Waited for Santa. That was, uh, nice. that was our Christmas Eve. Ah. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I front-loaded my entire Christmas. Uh, we had all of our most exciting Christmas stuff on December 12th, because that's when my folks came over here. Mm. And we went to see Mary Poppins, the stage show, because it's going to be leaving here soon. Mm. And uh, that was fun. But uh, the cost of that was apparently everyone in my family... All of us getting crazy sick for about a week beforehand and two weeks afterwards. So
0: yeah, all of us oh, and all
2: the rest, just like oh my god! Like the,
0: was it COVID
3: or you? you just
2: it was. Like it sick? was. I, we did some tests. Didn't show up COVID, but like some people in the house had like coughs were so bad, like it just kept other people up at night. Like it was just really, really noisy coughing. Okay. Which leads to people being exhausted, which leads to just a great sense of gratitude when there is just silence and Muppet Christmas Carol on the T V and you're just kinda chilling out.
1: (laughs) I had that same cough around the same time. It was a period of I think five days where I could not sleep laying down on my back. I had to be sitting up. It was it was a rough December. So
2: roll on blue Monday, roll on January. This is like this is the healthy month. Yeah.
0: Yeah, my Christmas was a. Uh, it was actually a uh, um, fucking nightmare. So yeah, oh, we, yeah. Uh, we had a massive snowstorm. I got stuck at an airport for fifteen hours yep. straight. This, this, I, by the way, they I, actually I to put us on the plane, the Trump,
2: Nick, right, that's why I was just getting my story in early. I knew you were gonna have <laughs> the, you have the ace, obviously. Yep. There.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so the, no, they we were at the airport for fifteen hours. We actually spent two of that on the plane that we were supposed to fly out on, and then they got us off the plane. Because all of our, they could not load the bags on the plane because all the bags had been left on the tarmac and they were covered in snow and they had to dig the bags out. They could not find everyone's bags because they were covered in snow. And so by the time they got done, the flight crew had been on clock for 17 hours and they had to check out. So they get everybody off the plane, tell us it's canceled. It was a, it was an absolute nightmare. And then they ended up sending my bags the next day onto my destination Along with the, the, so this was Southwest Airlines, okay? So I got caught up in the, if uh, if you're in the United States, you know, Southwest Airlines canceled about 80% of their flights for about a week. And uh, they're one of the largest carriers in the U.S., including 50% of the traffic out, out of this airport. I got to tell you, like, they canceled my flight twice. We ended up not going. So the, the entire Christmas was canceled. Which probably ended up fine, because all of my uh, my in-laws that we were supposed to go visit, everybody got COVID. So, yeah, it was just like, it was it was uh, fucked on multiple levels. But, yeah, lots the, of fun. The, so. your,
1: your luggage buried sounds like a bullshit excuse, because it did not snow enough to bury anything.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It was like, it was like negative 10 degrees outside, and the wind chill was like colder than, like, you know, it was like negative 35 or something. Like, it was sure. dangerous, like cold. Yeah. So that may have also had something to do with it. Cause like they were moving, everybody was moving really slow outside. Like I had to go get my damn car and I had to dig out my car at, you know, one o'clock in the morning from Mm. the fucking airport parking lot. And I like, I went to swipe my credit card in the, like the ticket machine, you know, when I left the lot and just having my like uncovered hand outside of the window for like 30 seconds, I couldn't feel it for 10 minutes. Like, wow. it went numb. My hand went completely. That's how fucking cold it was. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I I know that uh Southwest can kiss my ass with mm-hmm. all their, you know, yokel, whatever the fuck. <laughs> I, I've never had trouble with them before, but they've always just really got on my nerves. They're just a, a really annoying airline. If you've ever ridden them, they're, you know, they have this this redneck shtick that they do it's like howdy y'all welcome to southwest we sure are glad you're flying us today we're about to reach toot scoot right across the country so just buckle up and here we go you know i fucking hate that shit shut up i just want to fly anyway
1: (laughs) yeah how far into the day uh when you were stuck at the airport did you start to feel like you were just tom hanks in the terminal
0: well, that's why I started making movies. I made a movie about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, it was, I was like making movies, like uh, time-lapse movies of planes moving around and my kids on the on the uh, moving sidewalk. And I, I mean, we just kept shooting because it was like, well, we're still here. So yeah, yeah. I really, I, I felt bad for the kids. You know, like I can put up with whatever, but my kids were, it was a nightmare. Uh, anyway. Um, okay. Great. You know, before we get started, I want to give a big Merry Christmas, post-Merry Christmas shout-out to Gold Lock and the developers of Super Cooked, a new game for the Super Nintendo. They sent us a very nice Christmas card and an actual physical Super Famicom cartridge of their game, Super Cooked. That is really cool. (laughs) I love getting Christmas presents. So, Merry Christmas, Merry Merry, belated Christmas to Gold Lock and the Super Cooked team. Yeah. That game is available for free on itch.io. I have not gotten to check it out yet. Unfortunately, I don't have a Super Famicom. We're going to have to figure that one out. Uh, Maybe we can get uh, Bart's uh, soup.
2: It's the perfect excuse, Nick. Just one more to add.
0: Yeah, right. I needed an excuse to get one. But no, the, the game is actually available for free on itch. So you can find it. It is inspired by Overcooked, the indie game. Uh, I have not played that one either, but I know my friends' kids really love it. So, thank you again to Goldlock and the developers of Supercooked.
2: Do we want to do we want to try and have like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. An, a some kind of like musical like what do you call it like a sting there
1: of like the like <laughs> yay?
2: <laughs> yeah, I
0: just, just I'll just cut in you doing that. That's just, that'll work.
1: Just play the so, the the sound effect from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and there was much celebration. Yes. <laughs> <Yay>.
0: <laughs> Okay, la baie des morts. No, 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 wait a minute. Okay, uh, la baie des morts. Oh, fuck, I already lost it. La, la baie.
2: Okay, so la baie. honestly, in these circumstances, I actually go to Google Translate because it'll start. I, did I
0: went to Google Translate. I tried to write this out like phonetically so that like so that like as it as it sounds and I, I, now I can't read it. I don't know. I, well, I can hear it in the background. Just Yeah, what is it? La baie. Le pays des morts. So this is a question that I had: Why do some media titles resist translation into other languages? Because this is not, I think it is. It is not a super easy uh, phrase for someone who speak does not speak French. I don't think it's not that easy to say. Why? Do, why is it that like some media titles, they they never lose their original uh, phrasing? You know, and I think this is true when you translate other languages into English, and, and also true when you send media abroad. Like sometimes it gets translated, and sometimes you see it in the original English title. Mm-hmm. Is it just because like the original is so evocative?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. This reminds me of that scene in like Thirty Rock when Jason Sudeikis is talking about his like what is it? His Greek poster for Planet of the Apes, and he said they had to change Charlton Heston's name to Charlton Easton because Heston meant to poop yourself. Is that, is that like real real or is that just like some amazing like witty dialogue? No, that's
2: a real thing. Uh, Over, I mean, here in the UK, it was, um, there was a car called the Nova and you're like, yeah, Nova. Oh yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I remember that. Right. But like that in Spanish, that means Nova, which means don't like no go. So like in Mexico, they had to change it to like something else. And then also there was something else in Mexico where the like Volkswagen had a car called the Fox. But then the president at that time was called Vicente Fox, so they didn't want to, like, make mm-hmm. it a big deal, so they changed the name for Mexico. But also, there's stuff where it's, like, it's kind of idiomatic speech, right? Where you say, like, you know, true. I don't know, it's just, like, certain things that don't translate. A certain je ne sais quoi, for example, right? Ooh. Like, you just say that and you know it means a certain something, even though it's French. So you wouldn't bother translating it, or if you translated it, you'd kind of change the kind of translation completely. So yeah, I think I think there's reasons for it, but it is kind of weird when you're like seeing why they choose one instead of the other.
1: No, I was just gonna say A- Abbey of the Dead. That's that's an amazing like I would have seen that and been like, I'm in. You know, but whenever I was flipping through and looking at like games, this is way back when we first started this. I was looking through like your list of of ROMs that, that you like had access to. And I I saw that and I was like, ah, next, you know, and then <laughs> it was l- not until like much later on when I played through a few different things. I saw the artwork and I was like, oh, that artwork looks awesome. What does that actually translate to it? It is. Oh, Abbey of the Dead. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give that a shot.
0: I don't know. Abbey of the Dead, it has kind of like a B-movie, like,
1: grindhouse feel.
0: True. Am I wrong? <laughs> like, I
1: think know. that's why
2: Bart likes it, maybe.
0: Oh, that might be. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: no, you're 100% right. right.
0: Well, anyway, we're here to play La Baille des Mours, developed by Locomolito. So Locomolito and music by Grisor87. So Locomolito does a lot of retro-styled indie games. He's got a whole page of them on his website, if you go there. Lots of stuff that is influ- influenced by retro games, but is these are modern PC games that just have a retro style to them. Graizor 87, also lots of uh, well-known soundtracks. These guys did Super Hydora, the shoot-em-up. I, in fact, I've already played that. I didn't even realize it was these guys. Graizor 87, uh, Crimson Clover, World Explosion, another soundtrack. These are, these are pretty well-known folks in the indie PC gaming scene. So... This game was originally released for PC in 2010. It is not an authentic ZX Spectrum game, but it it is a tribute to ZX Spectrum and the microcomputer platformers. The code was open-sourced, and the game has become a cult classic. It has been ported to multiple platforms, including an actual port to the ZX Spectrum, the NES, the Wii, the Mega Drive, Commodore 64, Amiga MSX, atari falcon 30 i don't even know what that is Uh it's all over the place oh yeah. yeah on the Uya yeah. it is uh yeah i mean i in some cases it's hard to tell what the official release is for that platform since it's open source and i anybody can make one so yeah i i think for the commodore 64 there might actually be like two versions out there i don't know Pretty much all of these versions are available. You can go to the local Melita website, go to the Labed page, and find links to pretty much all of these. And
2: I think they're all free.
0: Yeah. Or
2: they're free, or name your own price on itch. I'm looking at this because I, I was I was trying to figure that out when I was playing this, because you were like, oh, yeah, it's on Uya and it's on, like, Atari, and it's on all these other things. And I was just in the back of my head like, wow, those developers just, like, really took it as a mission to put it on every platform they could it didn't occur to me that they open sourced it and you know allowed everyone else and so just a little twist on this because i'm looking at it right now it's under a particular license called the gpl and just kind of like as a little bit of a um i suppose trivia thing the deal with the gpl is not only that like it's for everyone to use it's like you can never make it your own if you make a modification and you improve the game, you also have to release that legally under the same license. So it's this kind of idea that you're going to share whatever it is you make. So if you do port it to some new system, you're actually legally bound to share that too, and you can't hide it away. So it's kind of interesting to see how that's like, you know, communities form around that, obviously, but to think that just one homebrew game has done that is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, because I was wondering, like, why the hell did it end up everywhere? And then I I realized it had been open source like that. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, you talk about a labor of love. You know, we mentioned that in our our disclaimer every time. I mean, and I think this absolutely fits that bill. I mean, people are just, they're porting it to everything. It's just because they, I guess just because the source material is very compelling, you know, but. Now I
1: want a board game. That'd be great. Let's just go ahead and take it into the physical realm. Yeah, many different yeah. mediums. Why not? I think so, right? We're, we're going to probably be pretty easy, you know? Yeah. Or make it an escape room theme. <laughs> escape room. I, that, uh, no, I don't want to spoil the ending. That probably wouldn't be good.
0: Oh, you know, since you said that, let's talk about that. So this discussion about this game, once we get into it.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a it's a pretty short game. Okay, so it's going to be really hard to to discuss it without spoiling a lot of the gameplay, which is the gameplay, is, is really discovering your way through this this uh, kind of haunted abbey, and so uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of that. It's going to be really hard for us to talk about it without uh, giving a lot of that away. I think we can avoid talking about the ending and like the final boss. Let's say I don't want to talk about the room with the tree. How about that? Let's let's say that I don't want to talk about the room with the tree because that I think is a, a great that's a huge like part of the story.
1: You know, so you get to that. I think the effect is ruined if you know it's coming. 100%. As soon as you walk through that door and see what you see, I was like, I, I gasped. So yeah, it's definitely worth what, playing this game through without spoilers. It's, man, yeah. Right.
0: With that in mind, okay, let's try to avoid that, those specific spoilers. With that in mind, let's describe what you're doing in this game. So I can say the story is very interesting. It is rooted in actual history. The the best, I actually had to look a bunch of this stuff up on Wikipedia. Honestly, the best summary of the uh, the, the context for the game is in the, the Commodore 64 manual. It has like a whole little uh, backstory of this. But so you are Jean Raymond. Uh, you are a Cathar monk. So the Cathars were around uh, 13th century in France. They were like an offshoot of Christianity. They had their own kind of ideas. And they were persecuted by the Catholic Church, as everybody was. And so as you're running away from there is an actual crusade launched against these Cathars, an actual crusade. So as the game starts, you are running away. You are you are this uh, this Cathar monk and you are running through the forest away from these crusaders and you find this Abbey to hide in. But uh oh, the Abbey is uh, evil. So <laughs> spoiler <laughs> so yeah they so that story is told mostly through these contextual clues you you walk around and you pick up you pick up actual clues like scripture but they're very vague they don't exactly tell you where to go you find out that there were some other brothers of yours who were hiding in this abbey and and you find out what happened to them and but it's all it's all done through the context
1: the actual environment no you had mentioned earlier that when i said that it you know, Abbey of the Dead, and all of a sudden I was interested in it, and you're like, oh yeah, it sounds like a grindhouse movie, but like it kind of opens <laughs> like that as well. It's just like you're dropped right into the action. You're outside running away from these soldiers that are following you. And you get inside the Abbey and like the door slams shut. And the whole time you're in the actual main section of the Abbey, they're pounding on the door outside. It's just and if you ever go back up there, they're still out there. And it's, it makes you, I don't know. It made me really nervous because <laughs> like, is the door going to hold? Oh yeah. You know, is it, it was really great. Um, yeah. It's a great effect. Right. Start exploring. And um, yeah, there's, there's really only one way to go at the beginning. And it's kind of, just like you said, the, the whole, th- it's all accessible. Once you do one thing at the beginning, basically. And then you're, once you're into the, underworld i guess the catacombs you can kind of go any direction you want and figure out your own quote-unquote speed run you know because i think I, I don't know about you guys but i think the object of this is to try to do it all as fast as possible yeah like, i think that's
2: you know. that's kind of the the vibe is like because it's it's a hard game but like once you've done it once i think to me it's kind of like some people will play this game once and they'll be like Cool, get it. And then other people play it once and then immediately be like, how can I do this faster? How can I cut my time yes, down? How can I can I, do this faster. Right? I think yep. it's like, it's, it's, it really is one of those games that I think draws that out of a certain personality where it's like some people will play that and like, because it's a good game. Sure. But it's like, is it a game you want to replay quickly?
1: I wouldn't say it was quickly for me because I I played it a couple of months ago when we first started and I got down into the catacombs and I I kept seeing this one cross that I could not figure out how to get, could not figure out how to get. And then I accidentally fell in a certain place and I fell through the floor. Oh, Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? With the spikes and whatever. And so like after that, like when I came back to it, I kept remembering that and it was just kind of like, the five minutes of trying to figure out how to get that cross was gone. It was just like, boop, 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 you know, and I was like, Oh, that cut five minutes off my run. Let's keep going. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back and talk about you. We, we mentioned the difficulty. Let's, let's uh,
0: finish talking about the, the gameplay and what kind of game this is. So it's a, it's a platformer,
3: mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
0: It's a platformer, but it's a very old school Kind of platformer. I would say it has that microcomputer feel. It is definitely a tribute to the ZX Spectrum style of game. There's only 23 playable screens in the original version. So it's a it's a very small, very kind of contained game. And so a lot of the difficulty comes from adventuring through this thing and trying to understand how to get through it, where to go, how to unlock different areas figuring out exactly what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And then once you unlock all that, once you figure out what you're supposed to be doing, as you guys were saying at that point, I think the game changes and it becomes a different game. And then it becomes sort of a speed running game. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about things that unlock, you know, there are crosses everywhere. So, you know, you're trying to figure out, am I supposed to collect these crosses? What happens if I do? Why can I not collect some of them? And I can collect others. And, and you know, you hit a little switch and suddenly they change. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a while. It is sort of a mystery. It's like almost a mystery. But once you've figured out the mystery, I talked about this in Discord. It's like, you know, it's, it's like if you've seen the movie, you know, you already know who the killer is. And then it's, <laughs> you know, that just becomes like, okay, how, how fast can you put the clues together and throw them in the van?
1: Right? It's funny when you said, oh, you... You hit the little switch and some of the crosses change. What does that mean to me? I was like, oh god, this means i don't to have to trek back and forth. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's totally a trek. Well, you do because right. I got really, really, really deep into it to this one room that was like in the fire section towards the end, and that one, I I practiced it so much that I got to where I was like almost like speed running. I was like da 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 Duck, go, jump,
2: jump, and then I know exactly what you're talking about, and I had to do the exact same thing yes
1: yeah and so then i get there and i'm like oh shit the cross is backwards fuck so i had to go back out switch the cross go back all the way down and do it again and that's that's what i meant by like as soon as i knew that you had to flip the crosses i was like oh shit i'm gonna get really deep into this and find a cross about to go all the way back out flip it come all the way back in go all the way back out you know which is part of the Part of the game, figuring out how to do it as fast as possible. The other
2: thing I was just gonna add though is it's you said it's a platformer. This is like it's 23 screens of a platformer's platformer. Like this is, I think, really yeah. like if you like platforming mechanics, this is a really well-executed 23 screens of platforming. And also for me, who I, I like playing platformers, but I'm not very good at them. I felt like the controls were really good. Like the controls made it possible. Really solid. Really solid controls. Yeah. And I was playing on the NES version, mm-hmm. but like. So sorry. It, it just like. There were jumps that I was looking at on the screen, and I was like, obviously, I'm not supposed to do that. I can't possibly make that jump. And then I would try, and I would actually be able to do it. And that's like really rare in a game for me that I can like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Achieving a jump that looks impossible, like usually that's a pretty strong signal to me that I'm not progressing any further in the game. But the controls were like, without getting too complicated, like it was fairly responsive, and I was able to make the, yeah. the quick time, speed runny esque jumps in in a reasonable amount of time without using save states in an abusive fashion.
1: There was a. A spot in the game, and I had talked to Nick about this last week, where you come into the screen, and immediately a skeleton shoots at you, so you have to just, like, go. And you just figure it. It's like they're throwing you off the cliff and seeing if you can uh, fly. It's the
0: first room of the church. Is that the one you're talking about?
1: It's yeah. all, no, it's the first room all the way down at the bottom, like, right towards the end. And it's like, there's those little fire demons walking around, and you just... Yeah, that's what I... Mean. It's the evil church. Yeah, the evil,
0: evil church. church. Yeah.
1: And right. you were like, oh, you should play it on the... What was it? Commodore 64, where you could just, like, duck, and they would shoot the arrow over the top of your head. No, it or depends it, on
0: the platform.
1: Yeah. So that's or was it Mega Drive?
0: You can, you can duck in the NES. Well it's on the NES you can just you can duck in the NES. No Gosh. no no wait no you can't at that point. Yeah that's right. So that's what I I how how do we play this game? Like what different platforms did you guys play it on?
1: I did Mega Drive and NES but I, I beat it on the NES. I did yeah. NES. Connor you just played the NES? Because Amiga
2: sucks and I will fight anybody who tries to tell me <laughs> that Amiga is fun to play on.
1: And I I tried to play it on the OOEB, like I said earlier, and it just was not happening. Yeah.
0: So what I originally played it on the PC, which is the, that was the, that was the original version, you know, and I kind of wanted to to use that as like the baseline for comparing it to all of the other platforms that it got ported to. And then after that, I played the Spectrum, the Mega Drive, the NES, and then just today I finished playing it on the Commodore 64. And yeah, I got to say there, there, they're all different in very subtle ways. You know, it definitely feels like you're playing a game on its respective platform, but the bones are still there, you know. And once you play them back-to-back like that, you see all the little details. And some of them are difficult in unexpected ways because they've just slightly changed up a mechanic or something like that. So yeah, you're talking about that first room in the evil church, you know, which is the final sequence of rooms. And as you walk in the front door of that that evil church, there's a skeleton archer, and he's shooting right at you. And then you got the two devils walking back and forth. On the original and the Spectrum, and I think the Mega Drive version, you can just duck. And that arrow will go right over your head. And so that makes that sequence somewhat easier, because you can stand there and you can just track, watching everybody walk back and forth and timing it, you know, the two devils, and then you time the arrow flying over your head. On the NES and the Commodore 64, you cannot duck there. If you duck, that arrow will hit you right in the forehead, and so you don't have any way to time it. You know, so you you just have to just just go like balls in, just like woo, you know. And and um, it makes that room really fucking hard because you you really have to um, to get used to the timing in there as you're you're having all this stuff fly at you. It's really challenging. I do think it's funny that one of the reasons I picked this game was because I wanted us to kind of expand our coverage beyond just the NES. And so, what what game did everybody end up playing
2: was the NES. But, <laughs> it's, that's okay. but that's I think that's for <laughs> me. I want to just like give an honorable mention because clearly somebody put a lot of effort into that port. And as we can tell, like it's you know there's a community around porting it, and that's cool. But I think Bart and I both maybe bit off a little bit more than we can chew in terms of. Like the the particular platform we were trying for, I think if I had probably aimed for yeah. a Spectrum, maybe I would have gotten the Spectrum. I, I I just thought that Amiga would be good. I thought I could get it working, and many hours later, I was. I I will be honest. I definitely put more hours into trying to get Amiga emulator working legally. I went to Amiga Forever. I got the package of Amiga Plus. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there's somebody who can. Call me out and say, no, this is how you're supposed to do it. Please tell me. I'm happy to learn. Otherwise, Amiga sucks. <laughs> all right.
0: So what kind of... I mean, we've talked about some of this already. What what kind of works about the game for you guys? It, especially... So you played the NES port. So I, I have to say the NES port for me, uh, among all of them, I honestly felt like the controls in that port were the best. I don't know how... They did it. So that port was handled by Parasoft, who has been posting in our Discord. Honestly, like the just the snappiest, most responsive controls. That port is the fastest of any of them that I played. Very, it's it has a very kind of snappy feel to it. It is a very well-done port. And I, I did not want to be such an NES homer on this podcast, but you know, I gotta say, like I next to the PC version, that might be my favorite port. It is just, it is so fun to play because it's just, it's so snappy. And you you think about Parasoft said when he was uh, testing the game that he could, he could beat this game in three minutes. And I was originally like, I don't know how the hell you would do that. Cause I mean, like you play like the Mega Drive version and I'll talk about this in a second, but the Mega Drive version especially feels very slow. I was playing that. I was just like, how in the hell could you possibly beat this in three minutes? And then I switched to the NES version. I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. You could just sail through this shit. This is, you know, this is a breeze. So, yeah, definitely the, the handling on the NES port. I would say among all of them, though, stemming from the source material, I think the atmosphere here is fantastic. I, I think it really draws on the source material well. This this story of this these persecuted 13th century monks. And it, it definitely has this kind of, like, very old school. It, it feels like this kind of, like, it feels almost like you're digging around in an old an old church in Europe, you know, it really does feel that way, which is amazing considering how minimalist the game is. I I think they've, it's really impressive that they were, that they were able to communicate that in every port.
1: I feel like if I was digging around in an old church in Europe and I came across a a live fire breathing dragon, I might not go in that room again.
2: Or you would speed run how fast you can get through that room.
1: That's maybe that's, (laughs) that would be it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Speed,
0: right? There's like a little ticket taker there, and it's like beat the dragon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On the conveyor belt, go for it. Oh man, (laughs) yeah. I loved playing this game. It was very challenging, obviously, but also like I beat it, which is rare for me these days. I
0: was actually surprised that you beat it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, something about the story just, it kept pulling me in, like trying to find all the little scripture pieces and like, that's just uncovering clues and figuring out kind of what to do next or what, what does this thing do? Why is it like that? Oh, that little piece of paper tells you without getting into the details of the end game. It's a very dark story, which really just, I love that, you know, and I talked about that on the, what was it? The, um, oh God was. What was the first Game Boy game that we played? Dead AS. Dead AS, yep, that's it. Like that was so dark mm-hmm. and I loved it so much. But this one being also very dark might have helped me with <laughs> how much I really liked it. If it had been like all sunshine and rainbows at your asshole at the end, I wouldn't have liked it as much, I think. But it was very challenging and it was very very tough to figure out where to go at first. But once you figured it out, then it became tough as far as getting there mm-hmm. and getting there quickly. So it's like a, two, a two-tier game, and I really liked that.
0: Yeah. You know, if the game would have ended with sunshine and rainbows coming out of your asshole, I got to say that would have been quite a turn. Yeah. Definitely would have changed the atmosphere of the game. Connor, were you going to say something? I liked the game,
2: but it was probably too hard for me. Just like like native difficulty of like, if I was playing that on the NES, I probably wouldn't have finished the game. There were two screens in particular, And I was pretty, like I said, the handling was good. Like, I felt like there were challenging screens that I was able to get through when I was, like, really focused on it. And I was, like, focused on getting the timing right and things like that. But, like, the difficulty is hard because you have a certain number of hits you can take. And you can gain hearts to up that meter. But once you reach zero, you have to start the whole game again. And that can happen really quick if you're not watching out. Like, if you're not careful, that can happen really, really quick and there are two screens in particular where it is... Like, you can just go through eight of those lives in, like, a minute. You can go through those lives (laughs) real fast. And I am not good at timing enemy attacks. I'll just tell you this right now. Maybe in a, like, a a kind of a, like, a fighting (laughs) game when I'm playing against a human opponent, and I can kind of, like, you know, trash talk my way out of it, maybe. But, like, when there (laughs) is a... Uh, literal specter of death. I don't think it kind of you know spoils anything to say that death is in the game. Uh, it's in the manual. He's in the game. Oh, is it in the manual? Okay, it's in the manual. He's he's throwing sides at you, and he's really really tough to to negotiate with. <laughs> I if I was playing that n- natively on like a console, I would have just gotten frustrated. I Probably would have just walked away. Hmm. But I mean, I would have regretted it because it is a great game. And like, Bart, like you were saying, like, it's a great ending. It's a great, like, it, it, you really feel like there's a, a solid conclusion and it's like a really great story. But it is a hard game. I think it's fair to say, like, if you are not willing to get to that last screen and die and start again and pick yourself up from where you started and not breathe a word of your defeat, uh, yeah, you will you will get really frustrated with this game pretty quick.
0: Well, I do have to say, though, you know, I think it's an interesting kind of difficulty because it's it's such a a small and minimalistic and contained game. You know, you talk about like getting all the way to the final boss again. But I mean, once you've run through the game a few times, that only takes about five minutes.
2: This is true. This is this is totally true. Your first run of the game, I think, is probably at least three times harder than any subsequent run.
0: Well, and it might take you months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we, we were talking in Discord, and a lot of over and over again, people were saying, I started this game and then I had to put it down and I didn't come back to it for like six months, yeah. you know, because it was just, it just seemed so daunting when you're initially trying to figure out how to get through it. A game that takes five minutes to beat, I find that really interesting because once you get over that hump, though, you know, it does feel very empowering to just torch through the game,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, because I'm never going to get good enough to speed run, you know, a game that's going to take you an hour to beat or something. But yeah, yeah. I can definitely just play this over and over again and, and feel like I'm mastering it, you know, and I felt like it really did not take that long to, to get to the point where you feel like you can master it.
1: That's a... Yeah. Really good point that's kind of the way the game plays for at least it played for me. It was like every screen I had to figure out how to speed run that particular screen. Right. Then you go to the next screen and you speed. So that's I think it takes you six to nine months, whoever that was, six to nine months of perfecting each screen to the point where you can go through and torture run in 10 minutes. Yeah. So it's not like you're playing it constantly for nine months and it's like a really long slot right. game. It's like, it's practice and it was practice. Right. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that type of game. It's different than what we've seen before.
2: I'm going to leave like a silent gap here because like, this is the first time I've actually looked at the discord for this like game. And I've seen an opinion that actually changed, like really kind of like told me exactly what I was kind of suspecting. Matt Hewson, take a drink, had a kind of take on this where it's like, it's not really good as a puzzle game. It's not really good as like a kind of like the mechanic around the different kind of puzzling around it. I don't know. I don't Maybe this won't go in the show, but like there's something about that as well that I thought was really just like salient about how like if you don't feel like it's really like you're conquering a puzzle or you're like really, you know, understanding like you're getting that kind of buzz of like the, the crosses and the things like that. It's not really as enjoyable. I think that's just kind of like a,
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I completely agree with that. Cause I, I mean, you know, it's like Bart was saying, You, as you're kind of exploring, sometimes you discover the answer to some puzzle that's been driving you nuts and it's just totally on accident. Like there's one point where you actually have to fall through the floor and it looks like you're going to die, but it's an illusion, you know, and that's, that's the only way to get a a particular cross. And I, that drove me nuts. Like that particular cross, I could not figure out how to get there. And I just came back to it over and over again uh, over the course of weeks and it was just like, how the hell do I get out there? And I knew I could look it up mm. and immediately figure it out. But I didn't want to. I wanted to do it on my own. I was in the room above that. I was like, I was trying to jump to a ledge and I missed. That's
2: exactly. That's because exactly that little
0: what fucking floaty ghost thing was changing. Three of us did,
2: I think. Yep. It's like we all missed the ledge. Yeah. I don't think there was any like. You missed the logic ledge. Logic to it. Right.
1: I, I, I will say I want right. it. And then you fall and you hit the spike. But there
0: is a, there is a clue yeah. about it, you know, it is, which is but, jump to your death.
1: I, yeah, but I think that was for further in the game. No, I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's in the same room. Okay, but yeah. then okay, let's let's go off on a tiny little tangent here because <laughs> okay. the jump to your death thing I thought meant this is like right before you get into the final church. You know how you jump and you land in midair and then you jump to the switch. Right. Yes, that's what I thought. No, because so. Well, there's I another clue that, about yeah, that. I one, knew
2: though. that was the clue of like a leap of faith to to jump somewhere. That yeah, yeah
1: right. So, Oh, maybe that, okay, yeah, jump to your death and the le- leap of faith, that is two separate clues, okay, that makes sense I was, yeah. for some reason, got him confused in my mind
2: Yeah, that, that little thing there of like you, you, you'd you find that by accident, if all three of us found that by accident <laughs> I'm sorry like, it's its like, it's not really a, a thing you figure out, right it's not really something you like, think hard about, right. and like, logically, I should jump onto those like mm. spikes, it's really just By the fact that you grind that game so hard that you've literally Mm -hmm. gone through pretty much every configuration that you can.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's, that's only, I can't think of a whole lot of other puzzles that are kind of like that. You know, I think another really tough one
2: is how to get to the dragon. Oh yeah, that's a fair one. I liked that puzzle when I figured it out.
0: The cross behind the, the
1: dragon. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That one I had to look up. I I could not figure that one out. And I finally looked looked that one up because I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay. But It's a tough puzzle.
2: Like I'm I but I, I like puzzle games like that. Like that's the kind of thing that gets me going. So mm-hmm. like sure. Well, and I
0: think what we're kind of talking about here is this this type of game, this microcomputer platformer. I I think a lot of people associate it with the ZX spectrum, but it has a lot to do with like these old school microcomputers where you had very small games, but they were just tough as hell, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and a lot of these games, you wouldn't want to go back and play today because they're just, they're, they're hard in, in a way that is not fun. And I think this game is a good tribute to those, but does not completely emulate them in that it gets close enough to that, but it, it, I don't think it quite goes over the edge into you know where it's not fun to play. I I kind of disagree there that that the the puzzle part isn't fun. I I really kind of enjoyed it. Now I had to be in the right frame of mind. Yeah. I I don't know that I would want to play games like this exclusively. Ooh. If I were back in the 80s and I in in London and I had my ZX Spectrum in front of me, I I don't know that I would be happy with this kind of game or not. But I like that there's because it's, I think especially if you go back and you play the original or the spectrum versions and you know it's just it feels like a spectrum game without really being like an old school spectrum game so it it's it's tough but it's fair you know that's the way it felt to me whereas like the actual like a lot of those old spectrum games they're unfair they're, they're not fair games they're but
2: yeah. yeah yeah
0: but yeah and i I you know I want to talk about the just the aesthetics let's talk about the spectrum so man it, <laughs> You know, I don't have any history with this thing. In fact, before I started collecting games, you know, maybe two or three or four years ago, I want to say, I had never even heard of this console. I did not know this thing existed. So, if if you're not familiar with the Spectrum, it is a, what is it, 16 color palette? Is that it? It's a very limited palette. Yeah, the colors are not like And they are extremely bold colors. There's like red and cyan and yellow and green. And it's, also... it's It's an amazing aesthetic. <laughs> What's wild is that you, anytime you see one of these games, you immediately know it's a Spectrum game. You know, it doesn't look like any other type of game. I'm thinking like maybe the other comparables like Game Boy, you know, the original Game Boy with the four different colors of green, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it is such a distinctive look and it's, I love it. It's wonderful. There's something so inherently creepy about it.
2: What, <laughs> you know, but also, what, with that particular palette, it's interesting. People chose to have things on the screen that cycles through all of those colors really quickly. And like, there's a lot more like flashing weird colors on that console than almost any other console that I've seen, where it's just like, Oh th- yeah, this is a spider. What color do you think it should be? Uh, Purple for a frame, then green, then red, and then just cycle that like forever.
0: <laughs> you know, the colors are not complimentary either. There, I mean, it, these games can often look very garish, but it, <laughs> there's something that I just, I love about it, man. I don't know. I I see like a
2: yeah. No, I totally agree.
0: yeah. <laughs> but no, I think the I think the original. I think the Spectrum port. I think the original is a great tribute to to Spectrum games. I'm and, looking
1: uh, at the Spectrum right now for the first time, and I don't know. I'm looking at a a walkthrough on I guess YouTube, but it feels like they tried to do a thing with the the main character where like anything he walks in front of, it's almost like his shadow is cast on it like the things behind well, him kind of turn yellow or is that like a glitch
0: I think that it has to do with some kind of limitation to the platform because if you yeah. play the original that effect does not occur and i okay. think what they're doing is they're yeah it, i don't understand the architecture of how the spectrum works but what i think they're doing is they're trying to offset like he has a yellow color your char- your player character yeah and there is something about like like designating that sprite or whatever it is as a as a yellow character that like yeah it, it's like a little yellow box that gets drawn around him, and so anything that he walks in front of also turns yellow.
1: Mm. Well, I thought it was intentional to make it look like a shadow, and I thought it would it worked really well, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think the
0: the this is definitely one where I say,, hey, if you're going to play this one, definitely go at least check it out. The original or the uh or the one on the spectrum. I know it's I keep talking up the original the original, of course, is not actually a homebrew game. It is an it is a indie PC game that is simply a tribute to an old-school platform. So, it feels weird for me to say that's my favorite version of the game, but I think it is my favorite version of the game. Okay, anything that doesn't work about this game. So, we, you know, we've talked about all the stuff that does work. Is there anything that, you know, we? I guess we've touched on, Connor, is some of the difficulty didn't feel good for you. I will say, of the five platforms that I played, the one that I really did not... I didn't like it as much was the mega drive version for some reason it is it has a very slow kind of pacing to it so there's there is something about your character especially when you play like the nes version or even just the original where the controls feel pretty tight and snappy on the mega drive you have this kind of floaty jump and everything feels slowed down a little bit i don't know it's it, I think on its own, it wouldn't be a big deal if that were the only version I was playing, but coming to it from all these other versions, it does feel unnecessarily slow. And it's also unnecessarily cruel. Like, <laughs> it reminded me of back in the day when you had, you know, some games were, when they got a, a release to another, you know, like when a Japanese game got a release to the United States it or internationally, it was it was made more difficult. Like, the Mega Drive version is
2: hard. <laughs> it's... Like I the, love uh, there's just little. Tweet hard is like another level. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's even a hard mode on the Mega Drive, which I mean, you start off with like one life, okay? But I mean, it's just like little details that don't make any sense to me. Like you can only your your lives are capped at five, so you can only pick up five. You start off with five lives, and you can only hold five lives. And if you pick up those little extra, there's extra life hearts all over the the game right? if you pick them up, you get an extra life on the NES and the PC version. You can just bank these lives. You can just keep picking them up and you can get up to like 16 lives or whatever it is on the mega drive. You're capped at five. And if you pick up one of those hearts after you're up five lives, you wasted it. You wasted it. You wasted an extra life. Fuck you. That's just unnecessary. That's just, what's up with that? It's, that's what I'm saying. It is unnecessarily cruel. It's, it's like, it's, you know, and there's other little things like that. The ghost in that one room that chases your little fireball ghost, mm-hmm. that motherfucker is fast. I'm telling you what. They made him fast. And you are so slow, and that ghost is so fast, you cannot get through that room if you're going uh, north. Like, if you're going up from the bottom of the screen, you can't get through it. Oh, my God. Piss me off. <laughs> anyway. You are channeling that. That is
2: good rage. <laughs> mm, taste.
0: Ah. Uh, yeah, so. man. Yeah, I don't know. So Mega Drive version... One thing I will say is kind of cool about the Mega Drive version is on the title screen, you can change the color palette of the game. So it has the Mega Drive version, and then it has the... You can, you can switch it to a, a Spectrum palette, and then it has like a Commodore 64 palette, which is interesting because it doesn't actually... It's different from the the actual Commodore 64 game, which I think looks better than the Mega Drive scan of it. You know, it's got like a Game Boy-inspired palette, MSX and all this other stuff, but... So that's kind of cool. But yeah... <laughs> I don't know. The only other thing that I would say, my kind of criticism, is sometimes on some of the platforms, I think the music loops are a little bit short. So especially like in that first, when you're running around in the Abbey, the, the first couple of, of uh, screens, uh, I don't know. It just it just felt like they, they're they on a very short loop and and you can kind of hear it repeat. And uh, I don't know, it kind of got on my nerves after a little bit. I don't know if you guys had that experience.
2: Yeah, you know, there's, there's something about when music is um, like in an odd time like where it kind of like skips a bit and that can make you feel like unnerved. I think they might've been trying to go for that where it like, kind of like skips and it kind oh. of jumps around. I don't know if it works a hundred percent in this. Like it, I, I think that's what they were going for, but I don't know if it, cause it's a fine line to what your point is, which is like, it's, it can be kind of annoying when you're trying to concentrate on some precise platform jumping, that there's this music skipping kind of in the background. Right. Do you guys have anything else to say
0: uh, in in terms of stuff that maybe you didn't like about the game so much?
1: No, not really. Bart, this one really resonated with you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why because it's tough as shit. And (laughs) usually I hate this kind of shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this did not, this did not, if I would not have guessed, this would not have been a game that you would have liked.
1: Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it has to do with with the ending. You know, it's like when you see the usual suspects and you walk out of there like, "Holy shit, that was amazing!" Then you go back and watch the actual rest of the movie, and you're like, "It's kind of a mediocre movie with an amazing fucking ending." Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, the the ending of it really did it for me, but uh, also the rest of the game. It was hard as hell, but I just enjoyed how dark it was. I
0: have an interesting comparison for you guys. Let me let me know what you think about this. Uh, So it's a game where you're running around. You cannot attack, just like this one. You're just platforming. Every screen is its own little puzzle. You're trying to figure out where to go. Spending a lot of time. Connor's shaking his head. Connor, here it comes. Here it comes. You know what I'm going to say. I'll tell you exactly why. Is this anywhere near? What is? Isn't, it's not lizard. It's is, like lizard. The game
1: is like. You lizard. know what? I was I was already thinking. <laughs> does lizard have twenty three screens? No, that's yeah. a, I mean that, that's, no, the, difference. that's the difference. You know, Ugh. whereas lizard here's is this
2: the, gigantic open world. Because I was thinking about this, and this is I'm, very contained. Oh, no, I'm I'm like contentious. This. Okay. I'm like serious. Oh boy, I here was we think, go. Because I knew you were going to talk about this. Because that is so. Because not only does that bring us <laughs> full circle, like to the to the start of this whole uh, endeavor.
1: Connor, I'm going to jump on your back with a sword and follow you oh, into this battle. You. Let's go.
2: You know what <laughs> killed me about Lizard? And I didn't realize it until I'm now like so many games in and now you've like really immersed me in this homebrew culture and we're here and we're talking about it, and it's really like, you know, we know what we're doing here. We feel it. The controls don't feel snappy in Lizard and you even acknowledge oh okay okay the control now I don't I I, I always understand the developer has his or her own perspective on this and that's fine but the controls in Lizard make it so hard if the controls in Lizard were as snappy as the Abbey the more Mm. port to the NES yeah I don't know, man, that might, Mm -hmm. that might be the Goldilocks. Like I would be much more inclined to agree with you. That's interesting. It's just like when you're on certain screens with the lizard, you are just like, like it just, it feels almost like you're cheated out of some of these lives. Like it just, what's going on? And that's as somebody who found the smoking lizard. I'm just saying that. All right. You did. You found the lounge lizard.
0: That's impressive that you got that far. Yeah, okay, well that's that's a fair point. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Lizard does have a, a little bit slippery controls and a, you you can do like hard stops, but you have to learn how to exactly. do it Exactly. you know, and it's not it's not very intuitive. You can say that, yeah. that the thing right. like
2: where you have to press down while you're holding the controller like I get it, but like Right, right, right. when you're presented with that and already a challenging world to explore. I mean, I think as tough and as difficult as La de More is. It, it at least gives you a control system that kind of like makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a good good answer.
1: All right. <laughs> I, Bart, I what were we gonna say? I was just I, I I'm trying to avoid talking about the end, but I do kind of want to mention what the video that you sent. First of all, the video you sent with the Commodore sixty four, um, kind of reminded me of a thing that I tried to do because when I I played this. And then I went away and I came back and I was like, man, I wonder what would happen if at the beginning I just turned around and ran and tried to jump over the, uh, <laughs> the guys, you know, and and you sent that video this morning of the guy finding the secret room in the Commodore 64 version. Was it like yeah. the, the hacker room? That was so cool. Did you happen to pick up another version and see if it was there?
0: No, there is on the Mega Drive there. I did find a screen that is not in any of the other versions. I don't know what to do with it. I can't get anywhere with it. So Mm -hmm. maybe there is a secret room there, but maybe there's not. But it is over the tree. It is the room over the tree. Okay. And But the jump is too high. So maybe there's some trick to it. I don't know. What Bard is referring to is in the Commodore 64 version, there is a secret room that you can get to in a game where the developer has hidden... (laughs) It's an infinite runner. (laughs) And so you're you're Jean-Raymond, the monk, and you are infinitely... Running and escaping from all these uh, crusaders, and uh, you can earn extra lives that way. And it's—I just thought it was very—it's very funny because you totally don't expect it at all. I really like how every port of this game had its own flavor, and it feels like it could have been a game made for that platform. And they all have little quirks and characters. Even you know, I—I I said I didn't—I didn't like the Mega Drive version that much, but it does feel like a Mega Drive game, and I enjoyed playing it. And I think that's really interesting. I, I think that really speaks to the the strength of the core material that you can just port it to all these different platforms and have it feel fresh on every single platform. All right, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some final words on Le we We're going to have some uh, comments from folks in our Discord. We're going to have some news, and that is coming up right here in a second after the break. Stick with us, Homebrew Game Club, Le Here we go. a beer. Now it's a podcast.
1: Oh, I've been on Guinness since we started. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's in here.
0: <laughs> that's a coffee mug.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's got Guinness like... in it. So. I'm
2: drinking my Beaujolais yeah. here, gentlemen, all right? I'm drinking my Louis- Beaujolais. Chandelier. Look at that.
1: Damn, son. 12
2: pounds from Tesco. 12 pounds. Oh, from Tesco. Nice.
0: How do you say that in French? Pet. Tesco. Now, I was talking on the Discord about my French pronunciation. And I say, because you know, I actually took French for years, but it's very hard to learn any foreign language when you're in a small town in, in Missouri. You know, I didn't have anybody to practice French with, so I'm, you know, maybe I knew how to speak some French, but my pronunciation was shit. I actually remember, though, there was a point at which I started, whenever I would speak French, I would speak it with the most outrageously exaggerated French accent that I could come up with. And I actually started getting great grades because my instructors were like, "Oh, your your French has gotten so good." And what I was doing was I was mimicking the speaking style of the only French person that I could think of, which was Pepe Le Pew from
2: Looney Tunes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's it. it. Every (laughs) French listener, every French subscriber has just unsubscribed from the podcast. It's just like (laughs) shunk. All of them just (laughs) unsubscribes at the same
0: time. Some words from the Discord. Yeah. uh, Let's let's let other people talk, because I think we've done enough. Uh, From Discord, Rafternaut says this game would be a cakewalk using save states. Took him nine to ten months to complete, uh, but then he took a break to come back. Yeah, He says Parasoft's NES ports very tight, and he wanted to give a shout-out to Parasoft for their port of Berserk. The old Atari game for the NES, so that is a lot of fun. You know, I don't Berserk. It, Bart, did you play that? That's like a precursor to RoboTron.
1: Oh, I have played Berserk. I think I used to have it on uh, on the Atari. But um, weren't you playing that at your house this weekend? I was. Yeah, I briefly yeah. briefly put it on. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good game for. It's got that's another one with good atmosphere. It's 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 like a RoboTron where you. You can't help but, like, get a little bit stressed out every time you play it. It's yeah. Bit, but, yeah, uh, he said this feels like a microcomputer game, but it, it's more accessible than the actual retro stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, he agrees that this feels a lot like a microcomputer game, and also that it, after beating the game, he he did see it as, you know, like a speedrunning game. Matt Hewson uh, had had a really interesting thread, some of the criticism to this game. He said it's t- very tough, but in a very unfun way. He did not enjoy the difficulty Uh, Essentially a puzzle game, fun the first time, but after that, it becomes a chore to do over and over. However, he loves the atmosphere, loves the art, and music are good. He says the packaging on the NES version was a little bit disappointing and that it was too sparse. Not a whole lot of detail in the manual. That's again where I do want to give a shout out to the Commodore 64. I thought that had a really cool, the best of the manuals that I looked at. So Overall, he thought it was a really cool and interesting game and would recommend it without hesitation. Trey Rosmos kind of felt the opposite from Houston. To him, initial puzzles felt like a chore, but after mastering the route, it becomes a fun, bite-sized speedrunning challenge. I agree. And he would like to see another mode to the game where you have infinite lives, but a timer. Ooh. Yeah. EC Myers said the game felt a lot like Battle Kid. There's a real pleasure in figuring out how to traverse each room, but once you've mastered that and improving as you play again... You start to feel like an expert speed runner. Still, this kind of game probably probably isn't for everybody. And the limited lives penalty feels dated. Yeah, I really do not like that. Especially on the Mega Drive version. Uh, it just you know, let it let's bank lives. Just let's do it. You know, come on. All right. Guys, do you have anything to say about this game before we wrap it up? No. 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 That was French. Yes. We oui. oui. <laughs> all right. My only thing that I want to say is that if you have played this game already, play it on another platform. Just just check it out. They're all free. Every every version of this game you can find digitally for for free. So if you've already played this on one on one one platform, go play it on another one it, because I think it's a really interesting way to look at how games are adapted for different platforms and little changes that you have to make to gameplay and the aesthetics and other things it's a that is a really cool kind of educational experience which to me is is part of the fun of this kind of uh, game club
2: experiment i'm gonna say this right now nick yes your voice i don't know if you can hold out for another like 30 30 45 minutes like your voice is already starting
0: <laughs> it's a it's a little bit scratchy yeah i don't know i got a sore throat here yeah uh lebe de mort uh to get where do you get this game get it from the You can can start. I would start by going to locomolito.com, where you can find the original PC game for download and more information about the game and its background. And from that page, there are links to all of the ports to the various platforms. So that, that should be your hub. Go there. Great game. Glad we played it. Go check it out. All right, guys. News talk about some homebrew news and i'm going to tell you so we haven't done a numbered episode it's been like three months so there's been wow, way too much news i cannot keep up with the amount of news i'm telling you what there's so much homebrew for all these different platforms i have no fucking way of keeping up with it and i try to keep everybody updated with this stuff through like our our twitter account and stuff and you know i know we got a we got a channel on our discord for news but it's just like i just feel like it's I feel like I'm helpless to just against this like tide of information about new homebrew le- releases. But um some stuff that I have come across that I thought was interesting there's recently there's an article on GB Studio Central. This is a homebrew publisher survey by BBBBR. BB and they published this article that was it was a survey Among various Game Boy developers and their experiences with various Game Boy publishers of physical Game Boy games, I wish it had responses concerning specific publishers. It doesn't. It's more like an industry-wide kind of thing. And just like, how do you feel working with publishers instead of specific publishers? I guess they didn't want to piss anybody off. I don't know. That would have been more interesting. But it is still interesting. Not as much as it could have been. But that's a fun article to check out, I guess, especially if you're publishing Game Boy games. (laughs) I say all these different games, like, just pour across my Twitter feed. One that stuck out to me, uh, ZX Spectrum game, Cocaine Bear. Okay, so a, a ZX Spectrum game about Cocaine Bear, the movie... I guess it's based on the movie or maybe it's based on the original source material, the original story of
2: cocaine. Yeah, it's bear. not like tied into the official IP of cocaine. Bear. No,
0: it is not an official. That <laughs> no, would be I feel, like would,
1: I feel like it would be a PS5 release or something right? if it was official.
0: Yeah, right. Some triple A cocaine bear.
2: Yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. Man. I think you really and it would be promoted. just like
0: it'd be like 100 hours of padding where you're just like walking around <laughs> yeah. picking up cocaine packets <laughs> you have to, from the you have to grind on the <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <Another> co- <laughs> oh god. Yeah, so that's I don't know. I I want to check that game out. Maybe we'll do that for the podcast.
1: Cocaine Bear check for, that, that Yeah, and we should watch the movie too. And then, <laughs> watch uh, the movie. Yeah. Comparing play contrast. the games, dual review and
2: then really live the cocaine yeah. bear lifestyle. That that's we should just do all three at the same time. All three at the same time.
0: All right. Some other news. Uh, I'm just going to go. This is honestly just stuff that I have come across uh, just recently and I thought was interesting. Dale Koop's son, who did Kubo 3, he has a new game called Skate Cat. That's going to be coming out soon in a limited release for the NES. And it has this like crystal blue cartridge. It is like a transparent light blue cartridge. It's very cool. I don't know what it is about blue cartridges that that really does it for me. Speaking of which, Nescape which had an excellent blue cartridge release, is getting a release on Switch and Xbox on January 13th. And so if you have (laughs) not listened to our Netscape episode, now's your chance. Go play it on Switch and Xbox and listen to our podcast episode on that and our video where we played through that game in real time, which is still, I think, maybe my favorite thing that we've done with this podcast. I
2: I am so proud
0: of that episode. That is such a good episode. (laughs) It was good. It was a, it was fun. It was like, I, man, it was a party. We did a party. I want more escape room games so we can do more of that. That was fun. Witch and Wiz is getting a sixteen bit port. You know, I don't know if I can if I don't if I can specify that or not. So I am not going to talk anymore about that. I will say he did announce on Twitter that it is getting a sixteen bit port later this year. I got my limited run games copy of this game finally after a year, and I got to tell you, it is beautiful. Hold on, real quick. I want you to look at this. This this is honestly one of the prettiest NES games that I own. It's just really nice. Can you see that on the, the honestly camera? the quality no, of the camera? The lights reflecting on it. But it's it, yeah. Oh, is it not? The, it's just a really but I connector. can tell. Yeah, like, well, I got to say so. Yeah, the physical of this. So I got the uh, the limited collector's edition, and I got to say it. It's got a little slip cover with it, but it is just it is a beautiful cartridge, and I'm very happy with that. Another beautiful cartridge that I got in the mail. <laughs> I almost couldn't believe I was holding it. It is full quiet. So that is a game for the NES. And if you have been in the NES homebrew scene at any point in the last five years, you've probably heard about this game. And it achieved this kind of like legendary status. It was, it was. I don't want to call it vaporware, but it was almost at that point. So it was, a, I believe they finished their Kickstarter in early 2018. and this game had been discussed about for a long time, and you just see little snippets of it would come out every few months. They might have a couple of screenshots or a short video or something like that. It's by the Retrotainment guys, so those are the guys who did the Haunted Halloween games, eighty-five mm. and eighty-six, which you guys have played. Those I, just really high quality stuff. They also they have done all kinds of stuff since then. They've they like they did the Garbage Pail Kids game. Through uh, IM8-Bit. Can't wait for that. It's recent re- recently released. Yep. It, like, they, they've they done some stuff with, like, Retro-Bit, I think. But, so they've been very busy. And, in fact, they are publishing, I believe, this port of Nescape to the Switch and Xbox. Anyway, this game finally came out. It is unbelievably huge in scope and ambition. <laughs> it is. I, so, Metal Beast on on Twitter who tweets a lot about these homebrew games he played through it and he tweeted it while he was playing through it. it took him over 26 hours to beat the game wow and this is not an rpg okay this is a platformer it is an adventure platformer and it took over 26 hours to beat man i'm i'm telling you what i did is i i was so intimidated by this and i did play through the game a little bit like last night i played it for about an hour and i already got stuck like I was just overwhelmed. And I, I I was like, okay, I'm never gonna play this game if I'm not I gotta have I gotta be talking to somebody about it. There's gotta be some kind of, you know, it's it's not like back in the day when I could just jump on game facts and pull up, you know, a walkthrough or something. And so what I did is I just today I started a channel on our Discord for this game. I would like to talk about this on an upcoming episode. It's gonna take a long time to play through. It might not happen for another six months, but in the meantime, if you're if you got full quiet and you're playing through it and you need some help, you can go to our Discord and we have a channel open where we are sharing hints and tips and other things to get through the game. That is right now on our Discord. You can get there through homebrewgameclub.com and jump on the Discord and talk about full quiet with us. Is there a digital version? You know, not yet. I don't think I don't think there is yet. I know Retrotainment releases almost all of their stuff, if, if not all of it already, but on um, digitally. So they will, they will almost certainly put out a Steam release at some point. That's kind of what I'm waiting for. I would like them to release it digitally before we do a podcast episode on it. Yeah, but I'm gonna go ahead and get started on it because I got to tell you, a game that's gonna take me a platformer, a platform adventure that's gonna take me 26 hours to beat. I better get started on it. Now. More than that, we
2: should like we should imagine that that's like maybe a multi episode. Of the podcast, like update, like it might be,
0: you know, we might if if, have a game. If anybody's listening to this and maybe they want to jump on as a, a guest, oh, oh like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I would do, I would have some extra people on, would love to see that. you know, who who might want to talk about this because it's also, it's, it's so legendary in the homebrew scene. It's hard to describe because it was just, it was always in the background of like projects that, you know, because this is from, you think about 2018, was a whole nother era. It was like a generation ago for NES homebrew. Not only is it is it like, is it is it kind of legendary, but it's it's from, you know, people who started coding and and programming of of like a different era of these games. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to get into that, and I got to tell you, it is amazingly deep, and it is uh, it's one of those games that you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to bust out the paper and, and pen and and start making some maps and taking notes and stuff like that, and I think it's going to be really fun to talk about with a bunch of people. And that's that's why I really wanted to get this this channel started on the Discord because this is exactly the type of, type of game that you need to be playing with other people because otherwise it's just it's going to get too damn hard. People are going to get confused. They're going to quit. You see, you need some help. So anyway, yeah, join our Discord. Jump on that channel if you're playing this game. One last thing I want to mention this morning before we were recording the a new game from Raftronaut and Nathan Tolbert storied sword. So this is Bart we played a little bit of this demo back at Midwest Gaming Classic last year.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There is a new demo out just today. Oh, it is the official demo of this game and I I think I can say I have been a beta tester on the full game since the very beginning and it is going to be awesome. If you are the type of person you think about games like like Ninja Ninja Gaiden or Batman for the NES, if you like that kind of game and you like that kind of challenging platformer that has really fluid controls and wall jumping mechanics and cool sword play and great sub weapons. And if you really like The Princess Bride, I'm just going to say that. If you really like The Princess Bride, this game is for you. You need to play this game. It is fun as shit. It's really damn hard, but it's. Where can we get the demo? You can get the demo on itch. So yeah, if you go to Rafternauts Twitter, it's yeah. on there, and we'll we'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, awesome. you you can uh, that demo is free to download, and it is it's a lot of fun. That game's a lot of fun.
1: I cannot so. wait. I loved. That was probably my favorite thing about uh, about MGC last year. Other than uh, that, and discovering RoboTron, those, <laughs> those two were what I, what stuck with me the most uh, coming out of that that whole experience. Um, I've been waiting for project sword which is now called the storied sword which i cannot wait to try it so yeah yeah well i
0: gotta tell you it's i mean it's getting fleshed out in some really interesting ways it is going to be a a really good game it it takes some turns i didn't expect it is uh it's just really fun to play it has that feel where once you kind of get good at the mechanics of the game it just has that really kind of meaty satisfying like just playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, just moving your character around. And that to me, that is my favorite kind of game. It's my favorite kind of game is just an old school platformer with great mechanics. Definitely one to check out. Do we want to do do this next part on our Discord, you know, we have a section where we just let people ask us anything. Anything they they think we might they might want to hear us talk about on the podcast. And I realized we didn't have anything on there in a long time. The last question that was asked we never got to, is from Raftronaut, and it is from last September. And he asks, what does London have that St. Louis does not? Do we want to go over that one this time? That's, that's really just Connor. Connor, do you feel up for that one? Say that one more time. What does London have? This is London in the United Kingdom. What does London have that St. Louis does not? St. Louis, Missouri, in the Midwest United States. I would say the first thing that it has that St. Louis does not is a as a
2: as an actual king <laughs> <laughs> well, the king does not always stay in London, so that may not always be true. Oh, all right, so I would have to say uh a Sunday roast dinner. I think that's probably the most Sunday roast that's dinner. the most distinguishing feature on a at about two p m on a Sunday. I have genuinely forgotten what I do in St. Louis because all I know right now is Sunday roasts. That is, uh, that's all okay. there is. You just go to the pub, you drink, and you eat a absolute slap up meal, as they would say. That's that's kind of the main distinct distinctive feature. Other than that, I mean, there's buses, but I mean, Saint Louis has buses that are less crowded. You know, it's uh, it's much much more muchness. They're they're very similar cities
1: in a lot of ways. Sunday roasts, folks. Oh yeah, I, when I came back from uh, Ireland, first thing I did was try to recreate a Sunday roast because we were there for two Sundays and we went into the pub and got that right. both weekends. The first week and we were like, yeah, whatever. And the second week we were like, we have to go back. <laughs> it was amazing. So it's, you it was... know, I
0: have to say this. So as somebody who spent quite a bit of time in London myself, you think about it, the Brits get dumped on for their food a lot. Okay. It's yeah. You know, it's like a running joke that the British people have terrible food, but I want to say this with that particular climate, cold, cloudy ass weather, like and damp, right? not like freezing cold, but just cold and damp and cloudy. they have the best fucking food for that kind of weather That's so true. like go to a pub, you know, get a shepherd's pie or or whatever, like a, a exactly. giant fucking yeah. Uh, pasty yeah or... you get
2: a Yorkshire man that it's your massive like either because they they're also very aware of different dietary requirements now, so you can have your in like the most random okay. pub, they will have beef chicken, pork, and then a vegan chestnut roast. Oh, really? And so that will, like, y- yeah, you have everything. Like, it's, no matter where you go, it's, they're very, like, vegan conscious here, like, in all places. And I think that also feeds into things like, there's just a really big, like, Hindu community here who are, like, obviously quite, you know, focused oh, right, on sure. their diet and things. So, yeah, I mean, you you got, like, a lot of options in the most random pub, so it's all pretty good. All right folks, there you go. What does London
0: have that St. Louis does not? Pub food. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a little That's bit of pub thing. food. That's the thing, it's a different here. thing. I didn't say, like, say like, pub you know, food. I said
2: Sunday roast. Oh, here
0: what's this? That's true, Sunday roast. Okay, you're okay, Sunday, specifically Sunday roast. Yeah. And
2: occasionally a king. America
0: took one of your princes
2: though. Yeah, I think they're they're happy for you to keep him at this point. I'm not sure what the whole gossip is about. Yeah, look at it. his approval ratings
0: are like worse than uh worse than uh george w bush's i tell i i, I oh
2: yeah i'm not gonna get drawn into a, a, a royal conversation here <laughs> that would be a royal pain in the ass for our listeners all right
0: discord i tell you what everybody jump on there ask us some more stupid questions that you want to hear us talk about we are out of questions on our discord please ask us something our next game are we ready for this? Do we have anything else to talk about? Are we going to the next game?
1: Is I will it? say that while you guys were talking about princes and uh, roast <laughs> and stuff, I downloaded storied sword. That's exactly what I'm doing when we're done. So let's wrap it up. I want to play. Oh, all right. All right. We got to get out of here. So bark and play storied sword. Our next game
0: will be what remains for the NES. We have a thread on our discord. That is uh we allow people to request games for us to play this is maybe the most requested game, which I found kind of surprising. But everybody wants to hear us talk about what remains for the NES. It is a top-down adventure game. You run around and talk to people, that kind of thing. You guys have already played this. I have not played this at all. So this is a very unusual situation for us, where you guys know a lot more about this game than I do. It is available for $10 on Itch from Iodine Dynamics. You can download the NES ROM. I'm stoked.
2: I'm so stoked! This oh, is—I yeah. mean—to sum it up, can you guys? Okay, okay so adventure top-down thing is completely misrepresenting the game. It is an—I mean—I'm already. Stoked oh, good.
0: See, this is—I don't know anything about this game. You guys know a lot more about this game than I do. Tell me about the game. No, like, what? Me it, sell no, me on no, it. it. Like, okay, I Kind of don't want no. to. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's one right, those fucking right. games. Yeah. All right. Fine. 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 Don't tell no, me better
2: anything. than that. The entire vision of the game is to not sell you on it. Like the the whole game itself is like not <sighs> about selling you on the game. It's it's my lizard. is what I'm saying. It's one of those.
0: It's one okay. of those folks. It's one of those. All right. So this is this is a game that everybody is is. Wants us to play, and it's the one game that I don't have any knowledge of ahead of time. So, this is going to be a very interesting dynamic. We're kind of doing a thing. So, I think for like, I was thinking about like New Year's resolutions for the podcast. One of the things I want to do is I want to play more platforms than just NES. Okay. So, we're already failing at that front. But I also kind of want to think ahead a little bit. And so, we talk about like other games to play kind of down the road so that if we have. We maybe mix up like an easier game with a more difficult game so that if people want a little more heads up to play a difficult game, they have a little bit more time to do that. You know, we don't just give them like three or four weeks to bust it out. Uh, After we play What Remains, I am looking at playing The Cursed Knight for Mega Drive and Genesis. Now, I'm waiting on that to get a digital release. I don't know if that has been released digitally by Broke Studio or not, but that is the next game I'm looking at. Bart, you got to play a little bit of that last weekend. That is a game that is it is uh, a hybrid shoot 'em up and mech platformer. So you are a kind of like a robot. Well, you're not a robot. You're a guy with a big ass suit of armor. What am I thinking? I'm thinking mech because it reminds me of Metal Storm on NES, where you have this kind of uh, gravity flipping mechanic. Right? So you jump up, and you the next thing you know, you're on the ceiling. And so you go back and forth like that. And it intersperses those with shoot 'em up stages where you're flying around and shooting at things. Looks like a really cool game. I have been wanting to play it for a long time, but it is, it looks like a much larger and more difficult game than what remains. So if you're wanting to keep up with us, you might want to get started on that ahead of time. So are we done here or we should I go ahead and read the outro?
1: I think we're done. Anything else? This was good.
0: This has been the Homebrew Game Club podcast. You can find links to our Discord, back episodes of the show, or other social media at homebrewgameclub.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, what's the other one? Mastodon! Fuck. <sniffs> at HB Game Club. If you like the show, please... Help. You know, I, th- I realized I, I don't have to actually say the whole Mastodon web address. I think I'm just going to say like HB Game Club. It you can you can search for that. I don't know it's on
2: Mastodon. social. People understand. Yes.
0: No, it's like yeah, it's like it's like HB Game Club at gamedev. I don't even know. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to it. Look anyway, find us at HB Game Club. If you like the show, please help us out by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or by telling all your retro gaming friends about our podcast. If you have comments or a suggestion for a game that you'd like to hear us talk about, or you just have a stupid question that you want us to answer, shoot us a message on social media or email us at homebrewgameclub at gmail.com. Our opening music is by Tui. You can find him on Twitter at tui 2 a 3 where you can also find a link to his SoundCloud. Our outro music is by Raftronaut. You can find him on Twitter at 0 jordan You can follow me, Nick, on Twitter, Instagram, or Video Game Sage or Mastodon at Divertov. That's D V E R T O V. Bart is on Instagram as clever username needed, no spaces. And Connor is on Twitter and Mastodon at C O N O R N A S H, also no spaces. Tune in next time to the Homebrew Game Club when we will be talking about what remains for the NES. Thank you for listening. the end. It's over. Turn off your podcast.